You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I am dreaming of Hawaii, although I will have to buy a ticket. You may not have to buy a ticket. Get into Cork and Carry at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton for your free entry, and you may be headed to Hawaii. The drawing is on March the 17th. You can also register at the original location at 106th and Western. And remember, that is your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties with an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites and a very extensive bar, great indoor-outdoor seating. It's where I bring the kids before a game. It's where I bring my friends before the game. It's where I meet new friends, cork and carry at the park. And enjoy that $5 Kona draft right now at cork and carry. They're helping out with the trip. Meanwhile, the surprise entrant, Seattle Mariners. In now on Dylan C, supposedly, it is Bob Nightingale, so you don't know how true it is. Bob could be trying to work for the White Sox here as we've seen him do before. Uh, generally, though, it comes from uh, from Jerry Reinsdorf. So unless the old man's involved, maybe it's a real thing. But I do find it funny, my friend, that as the Mariners have supposedly dipped their toe into the Dylan C. sweepstakes, that immediately one comment on MLB Network, I believe it was, about the idea that what Bob was reporting could not possibly be true, that there's no way that the Mariners would give away one of these two young starting pitchers that they already have in the in the majors, Brian Wu or Bryce Miller. Why would they give up either one of those? So that that's just preposterous. And then every blogger and podcaster that could possibly like repeat it went out and immediately started telling people there's no way it's Bryce Miller or Brian Wu in a deal for Dylan Cease. And I'm telling you right now, that's the biggest problem with trade season. Look at the original quote, and I'm going to read it for you, and then I want to get into it. The Seattle Mariners have quietly entered trade talks with the Chicago White Sox for ace Dylan Cease, with the White Sox seeking a package centered around young starter Bryce Miller or Brian Wu. And it makes perfect sense, Bob Nightingale goes on to say, that they would get one of them because with Cease added to that rotation, you would see one of the most powerful starting rotations in baseball with Luis Castillo, Dylan Cease, Logan Gilbert, and George Kirby, three of those four are on my fantasy baseball dynasty team. I know, I just noticed that. Castillo, Cease, and Kirby are all on my team. You're going to be up to your eyeballs and Mariners. Up to my eyeballs and Mariners pitching, trying to win another championship in our league. But, but like, if you have those four guys and one of Miller or Wu, the Mariners would be happy to make that move because it's an upgrade over Miller or Wu in their rotation, bringing Cease in for the next two years. And if they're looking to actually compete, it makes perfect sense for them to move on from one of those guys. And I would say you get one of them, plus you're adding in an infielder. They've got a couple of nice prospects that are probably a couple years away that could play middle infield in Cole Young or Colt Emerson and throw in Emerson Hancock and let's call it a deal. I like it. I like it a lot. And I think that's realistic, too. Hancock's 24 years old at this point. He's a guy that they have never had a lot of confidence in. He's got all kinds of question marks. So he'd be somebody I'd be knocking on the door for because he does have potential and he's not the centerpiece. He's the potential you want to bring back. 
Take your pick of the middle infielders I just mentioned in Young or Emerson, and they're also somebody, I mean, they're both at the at the single A level. One's at A plus and one's at A ball, according to what I have here on the list. One's 20 and one's 18. They're not helping you immediately. But then add in Wu or Miller, and that guy becomes a staple in your rotation long term. And what have we been looking for? Something like that added to the team. And then all you have to do is go out and sign Michael Taylor or another outfielder to fill right field for this season and possibly 2025. The whole thing with you're never going to get Bryce Miller, you're never going to get Brian Wu, but why not? Why why can you go out and get one of the top pitching prospects off of one of these other teams, but you can't dare get a guy that's actually already in the major leagues who Dylan sees as an upgrade over? And the thing is, is that Bryce Miller has a world of potential, okay? He's got a great arm, but the secondary stuff isn't quite there. The command is not quite there. He will be one day either a beast or he will be what he is right now, okay? And that's that. he's got a high ceiling. Brian Wu's ceiling is a little lower than Bryce Miller's. In fact, Brian Wu, on, under Fangraph's projections, say that they think that long-term, he's probably a mid-rotation guy. He was a half-war he was a he yeah. was a half B war last year. People are acting like he's an impossible asking price. Now, on the other hand, he's my kind of pitcher, Ed. Like he's my kind of pitcher. Which one, Wu or Miller? Well, Wu is my kind of like Woo. like go and grab a guy that has potential that nobody sees yet kind of guy. Like I want Miller. Okay, don't get me wrong. But Wu's a guy with a with a whip in his first what eighteen games in the majors of one point two oh nine. I don't worry about the ERA of four point two one. I say that that guy right there. That that guy I want to see in my rotation long term. Hey, here's here's the thing to consider about that too. You're you're putting Brian Wu's whip up there, okay? And and what he did. The other thing, and and I spent some time reading fan graphs about these guys for for this very reason, is one of the things that Wu did last year when he was forced into being a part of the rotation because they had some injury issues. They they weren't expecting Brian Wu to come up last year and, and contribute. When he did, he's so early in his development yet that he used his fastball 75% of the time. That's like bullpen guy numbers. But here's Brian Wu doing that in the starting rotation, doing it effectively, doing it for a team that still had some aspirations of making the playoffs and was trying to compete. I mean, this is this is not a team that was rolling over and dying by any stretch of the imagination. But he puts together a 4.21 ERA, which is pretty respectable, over 87 innings. Like you said, his whip at 1.209. That's a good whip. Yeah, right out of the gate, right out of the gate in the majors to do that. And Miller had a, what, a 1.14 or something like that. And he pitched 131 innings. Like, look, if you get either one of these guys, you're excited because of the control and the potential and that Brian Bannister gets to them. And like you're talking about with Wu, he was he was relying on being fastball heavy. He gets some work in and they see something else they can develop with him that you the arrow points up with him. Like, And that's yeah, the thing. And, exactly. and I think White Sox fans are so... They're predisposed to the idea that they're just not going to get what something's worth. They're not going to get the deal that they want. They immediately, like, they latch on to one naysayer saying, why would they get Wu? Why would they get Miller? And they and it's like a cancer. They immediately go, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll never get one of those guys. This is going to be a long-term thing. Folks, they've been holding out on Dylan Cease because they don't want it to be long-term. This deal would have been done three months ago if they just wanted to grab a bunch of, of prospects that you had to wait three years on. This deal would be done right now. They're oh, asking for the top-level guys ready to play Major League Baseball from the Orioles. That's why the Orioles deal is not done. They asked for that from the Yankees. That's why it's not done. They asked for that from the Reds. That's why it didn't get done. Why would they now just look at the Mariners and say, yeah, give us some guys that are three-year, four-year projects? 
We've watched all offseason long what the asking price is. They're not going to suddenly say, okay, we did, it didn't work what we wanted, so we're just going to go to the Mariners and take garbage because we feel bad about ourselves as White Sox fans? Let's let's try to feel a little bit better about what we have here in Dylan Cease and what the asking price is instead of constantly thinking that we're going to get ripped off. I know it's been a hard last couple of years, but I mean, seriously, like the complex that Sox fans have where they hear this news and they go, yeah, there's, there's no way we're getting one of those guys. That's crazy to me, Ed. And again, too, the whole offseason has been, you know, we're, we're talking about this Reds deal where, you know, the guys that were listed as being guys that Chris Getz was going after were not guys that were going to help them necessarily in 24 and were maybe going to help them in 25. And then we're talking about, you know, an Orioles team that has the ability to give them guys that are going to help them this year, but they're asking for, you know, they're asking for players that frankly are not finished products from the Orioles either. Okay. None of them were really proven products that we're talking about. Heston Kirstead is a guy that might still just be a platoon guy. Okay. I mean, he, there's, there's, there's some questions about the game and there's always going to be questions when you're getting prospects, but the idea that Chris gets might be intrigued, more intrigued by sitting there saying, all right, I can, if I can build a package around Dylan Cease to get Bryce Miller and some other players. Okay. And, and there might be some of Chris Getz instead of being the guy that's that's waiting back for Jerry Depoto to come to him and say, "Give me Dylan Cease, I'll give you what you want." He's also sitting there going, "Yeah, but I want this guy." Okay, so does Dylan Cease? Does two years of Dylan Cease make sense for the Mariners over a lot of control of Bryce Miller? Yes, because the Mariners are in win now mode, and it makes sense for them to do that over Brian Wu, who if he's not if he regresses in his development this year for the Mariners, is a disaster at the back end of the rotation. It makes sense for Emerson Hancock to be traded, even though he's got a high profile because he's got wicked stuff but hasn't been able to figure out how to use it yet and had a turn in the bullpen last year that wasn't exactly great, and it's not what the Mariners want to do with him. Does it make sense for the Orioles to put their top pitching prospect in a deal for Dylan Cease? when that saps their ability to have some sort of depth. Does it make sense for the Mariner, for the Orioles rather to, to sit there and say, we're going to give you Jordan Westberg or Colton Kowser, who are our top prospects, or Connor Norby or, or any of these other guys? Does it make sense for the Reds to give up some of their top prospects as opposed to guys that could help now? And we never heard that the Reds were really serious about trading one of their infielders other than Jonathan India. Well, he's not good enough. Right. I, I love that. I love the, you know, the last regime would have taken Jonathan India. Oh, they would have. They, have. they would have seen the name. They would have talked about the fact that he had a great rookie season and they would have fed you Jonathan India and he would have been all over the, the promotional materials. They would have done it. Like, I love that he's sitting there and he's holding these guys at a fire. And I love the fact that DePoto is now involved with the Mariners. Like, this is a wheeler dealer. This is a guy who wants to make a deal. This is a guy who was sitting there watching this happen and saw the Orioles basically say, we're too cheap with our prospect. We would rather prospect hoard and money hoard. So they're never winning anything, by the way. Okay. If I'm an Orioles fan, I'm disgusted. Because if you're not going to spend money and you're not going to use your capital that you have in your system, to get your team to a level where they can compete, you will always fall short. If I'm an Orioles fan, I'm pulling my hair out over this offseason. What a joke of an organization that's handled this entire thing so poorly. You know, either you go out and you spend money because you want to hold on to your prospects, or if you can't spend the money, you use the capital you built in those prospects. They want the best of all worlds and just think they should get what they want because they're asking for it. And good on Chris Getz for saying, no, that's ridiculous.
You know, I mean, every, we all run into people that have ridiculous ideas, live in their own fantasy world, have a have a strange, skewed sense of reality and, and look right at you and think that they're making sense when you know they're the crazy person and you're not. And that must be what it's like for Chris Getz to talk with the Orioles right now. So DePoto sees that and he goes, oh, hold on a second. I'd like to have Dylan Cease. I wonder what they're interested in. And and so he goes after it and says, let's let's start talking. Now, I think the Nightingale thing, because he always seems to be a mouthpiece for the White Sox, is the White Sox making it very clear it's going to be one of those two guys. That's Chris Getz saying, it's going to be one of those two guys, Bob, or otherwise we're not going to get anything done. Exactly. And when you don't know if the Mariners are ready to do that. So they're either they're either now hashing out the package around one of those two guys, choosing which one of those two guys is going to be, or the thing's already dead and we just don't know it yet. And and that's the that's the thing that sucks about offseason baseball because this thing could already be over. They could have had their last conversation already, and the Mariners could have said, "Yeah, we just thought we could have given you scraps." And Chris Getz goes, "What would have given you that impression after everything you've seen me do for the last four or five months? If I was gonna go get scraps, there were better scraps already offered. Because trust me." The Mariners don't have a lot of what the White Sox want. It would have to be very specific players that they were handing over to the Sox for the deal to make any sense whatsoever. And they don't have like the they, like their highest prospects are all at the at the A level. And that's not what Getz has been looking for. He's been looking for high prospects that are close to the majors and they don't have that. So it's got to be somebody who's actually made it to the majors for the Mariners to play ball. And if they think otherwise, they're delusional and weren't paying any attention. So I would think that a guy who pulls off a ton a ton of trades, like this GM, Jerry DePoto, out in, in Seattle, who you constantly see with these very creative multiplayer deals. He just made one with the Twins. Yeah, I would think that guy doesn't tip, dip his toe into the water or make the phone call unless he already understands what the Sox are asking for. And that's why when I hear the rumor, I actually feel better about the idea that Cease could go to the Mariners and the Orioles, because the Orioles just seem to be a stupid organization, poorly run for decades, bad ownership, and a bad idea of what what they have to spend to get a guy like Dylan Cease. I'd rather have the White—I know everybody keeps going, you have to trade him, you have to trade him before the season starts, because otherwise he'll look terrible. And there's that negative White Sox feeling again. You believe, there are White Sox fans who believe that Dylan C. sucks. They think Dylan C. sucks. They think he had one good year two years ago. What happened in the back half of last year is what Dylan C. is, and they think he's going to go out on the mound, have a 6 ERA, and they're going to get nothing for him. They think Dylan C. sucks. I don't think Dylan C. sucks. I think he's a really good pitcher, a highly durable, effective pitcher who kind of lost some heart the way that things were going at the end of the year, probably didn't put his best foot forward, and probably didn't have the right people around him to support him as that was going on as a pitcher because he still is a very young pitcher. I believe in Dylan Cease, and I would rather him start opening day than cave to an idiot organization like the Orioles or give away your one of your best players for peanuts. If you are a small business owner and you're looking to increase the benefits for your employees or you're looking to change the insurance setup, you want to give Butch Zemar and Elite Benefits of America a call. Butch has been on the show before. He's a great guy. Southsider. He's been doing this thing for a long time and he can help you. He can help your company. He can help your individual employees. Increased premiums and out-of-pocket expenses are out of control. So let Butch come up with a plan specific to you and your company. 
It doesn't cost you a thing, and you can work on this any time of the year, whether you run the benefits program for your company, own the company, if you buy insurance on your own, you don't need to be a business owner. Give Butch a call. If you're retirement age and you're trying to figure out what to do with your medical coverage, give Butch a call. It costs nothing. 708-535-3006 or visit EliteBenefits.net. Fangraphs has uh, an interesting breakdown of the Mariners right now. Their latest opening day roster projection, including uh, Polanco now, has 14 of their 26-man roster acquired via trade. That's crazy. Right? Six of them this offseason so far. But of their, of their starting pitchers, four out of five of them currently are homegrown. Right. So you could take that two different ways. You could take that as they they value their pitching so much that that's why these guys make it all the way through their system and make it to the major leagues, or could be an indicator that the team likes trading. And that's what I think, because I, I they, they love with this guy. This guy runs his baseball team like somebody runs their fantasy team, football, baseball, whatever. Like the, this guy loves trading. He gets up and he goes, man, I haven't done anything in a week. Who can I trade? He, he's got to be looking at that rotation going, man, I can bolster that rotation now. Now I can go do that. What do I got to move to go do it? I really think the Mariners are a serious trade partner for the White Sox, and I think that's cool. It's something that it's something to watch. Uh, you know, I know we're all sitting around though again, waiting on whether or not Dylan Cease is going to get moved, and and I'm okay with him starting the season. I have I have come to the realization that the only thing that upsets you, the only thing that motivates you to want to get Dylan Cease off this roster before the season begins is fear. That's it. You're afraid that he'll be bad. Things have gone so badly over the last couple of years that you are shell-shocked and just believe that he will come out and be terrible. And I think that Chris Getz probably has that conversation with himself. He probably sits there and says, what do I believe in on this team? And if he believes in Dylan Cease, if he wants to say, look, this is my best chip and I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I want to get what I'm supposed to get. And otherwise I've got him for two years. And if I've got him for two years and I've got a guy at the top of my rotation for two years and it is what it is, but I'm not just going to give him away. I, I support that thinking. I don't know if it'll work out, but I would rather him go for it with cease and start the season. than give him away for less than what he's worth because a team thinks he'll blink because he's a first time general manager and everybody's saying, well, you got to get rid of him. I don't, I don't think I would do that. I think I would sit there and say, nope, this is what I want. If you're not going to give it to me, the guy starts opening day. If you want him, this is the asking price. If I never get my asking price, he's pitching for me in 2024. He's pitching for me in 2025. And then that's life. Because, you know, that and, and that's the other thing. I mean, we can get into a big discussion about it. But there are a group of fans that are always out there saying to themselves, well, we only have this many years left. So we've got to give value now because we just don't want to lose the guy. Well, that's that's the case with every player. Every player on this team, at some point, their contract's going to run out. They're going to face a career-ending injury or a career-altering injury. They're going to hit their best year, and then they're going to decline afterwards. Every single player on this team, every single player in Major League Baseball is going to get to that point. I understand trying to predict things, and I understand trying to get value, but you also just can't say, I got to make a trade because in two years, the guy's going to be gone. I understand why people think that if they if they believe it's a long-term rebuild, but I haven't seen moves by Chris Getz that make me think 
he's going long-term. If he was going long-term, the deal would be done already, and he would have a plethora of maybes. And we'd be waiting for three, four years, just like when everything got uh, tossed upside down in that supposed rebuild uh, almost a decade ago. That's what makes me feel like you don't you don't move them for nothing, Ed, and, you, and you, it's okay to wait. Everybody wants to just say it's wrong to wait. If he's there on opening day, the offseason's a failure. I think it's a greater failure to get rid of a cost-controlled pitcher at the top of your rotation for peanuts. I think that's a greater failure because you're motivated by fear. You're motivated by the what-ifs in the world, and you're not making clear decisions. And I think in anything, in business, in life, in love, in baseball— you can't make your decisions motivated by fear. No, this is this is a shell-shocked fan base that has seen Yohan Moncada fizzle out, that has seen you know guys get hyped up that never emerge. And what we have to understand is, is that the fear is coming from the fact that we trusted a front office that would never, ever, ever throw shade on their own prospects, Okay. We trusted a front office that anointed Oscar Colas in spite of the fact that the rest of the baseball world saw this guy's chase rate, saw how much this guy had swing and miss potential in his bat, but fell in love with him crushing home runs, fell in love with the, his ability to hit the lower levels of the minor leagues and the fact that he had done something in Japan. You saw it. You saw it. I mean, we were the perfect example on this show of the Oscar Colas thing. I had a buddy of mine that was following him around in the minors, sending me videos from his seat of towering home runs, and I'm all excited about him. And you're like, oh my like, gosh, they're beautiful and, home runs. Right, and you're like, look at his chase rate. Look at this. Like, you were the Mr. Negative last offseason about him. Oh, yeah, you were calling me a wet blanket yeah. the whole nine yeah. yards. And, yeah. and, and you were yeah. right. You were right. I, th- that was the thing. You were, you were 100% right about it. And at least my general manager now is saying, yeah, he's not He's not starting this, this year. Like he, like no. I, I don't really care what work he's doing in the minors. Like, that kid's got problems. He's got to work out. Yeah, there's a reason why we don't hear about Yolki Cespedes, okay? There's a reason. But the the fact is, is that the Han regime would never tell you there was a hole in Yohan Moncada's game, even though everybody could see it. The Han regime would never tell you that they made a trade for a catcher that's going to be the future of our, our, our team and Corey Lee, supposedly, who's a guy who everybody says – he can catch the ball, and he might be good enough as a receiver to stick as an everyday catcher, but he's never going to hit, right? And and what did we see last year? The guy came up, he's good behind the plate, can't hit. Right. Right? So it's where I think we have to, to get over our fear is to understand that this is how baseball teams work when they really want to get something done and when they really want to build something is that they don't chase sexy names they don't chase pipeline names. They don't make moves just to make moves. And they especially don't sit there and say, I have to move someone just because of contract issues. Right, because Rick Hahn, what was Rick Hahn doing? And what was Kenny, what were Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn always doing? They wanted to win the trade that day. They wanted people to sit there and say, look at that. They got this guy that was on this list, and they got this guy that was on this list, and they got this guy, and they won. And then two years later, you find out that they weren't able to develop the guy and he wasn't he wasn't what was promised. And but they just wanted to win in that moment. And we complained about that so many times over the last couple of years. And and that's why, even though, again, this is not the general manager that I wanted, at least he's the general manager that walked in and said, "Okay, I've been watching this for a while. And all these guys over here on this list of people that we've been pushing, 
take them off the list. They're not that good. You know, we don't actually have a future at this position. We have holes over here. We need to get back to basics. I need to bring in a, basically a whole other infield. Meanwhile, if you're listening to this, you may want to try out a whole new way to make a craft cocktail. This week, if you go to SocksInTheBasement.com and you click on Store, not only will you see the veteran-owned coffee shop that we featured last week on Socks in the Basement, you're going to see Camp Craft Cocktails. Now you can be your own bartender and not have any skills whatsoever. All of the ingredients are right there. All you do is add the liquor. Impress your friends because trust me, just one Camp Craft Cocktail setup is going to serve all your buddies. Everything from an old-fashioned to a pineapple jalapeno drink, Mother's Mule or Sangria, check it all out, SocksInTheBasement.com. Click on the store currently in the menu bar. Take a moment and, and look up the White Sox 40-man roster and look at the difference in the infielders that are currently listed on this roster compared to what you had before. There's a lot of names that aren't on that, that list anymore. There's no Zach Remillard. There's no Romy Gonzalez. Romy Gonzalez no... was Ben Zobris 2.0 last year. Oh, yeah. Remember and that? he's not on the 40-man roster anymore. I mean, that tells you that one guy evaluated these guys very differently than his predecessor. That's what makes me feel some positivity. I feel like this general manager, whether or not he was in the organization or not, I mean, it's, it's like blaming the guy on the fries in the McDonald's. You're blaming that guy for the entire building. For the fact that there's roaches, for the fact that the the roof is caving in, for the fact there's potholes in the driveway, for the fact that the wait times are 20 minutes for your McNuggets. Like, you're blaming the guy on the fries. And his only job was fries. And he didn't get a decision. Like, when they had a meeting and they're like, okay, guys, what do you want to do? People ranked higher than him continued to push the same way of doing things that they had done for decades. And they left and he goes, I need to clear a lot of the garbage out. I'm firing the guy over there that's on the burgers. I'm getting rid of the filet of fish dude. The guy who's paving the driveway, we're bringing in a new one. We got to fix this roof here. And everybody's sitting there going, but hold on a second. You need to add more items to the menu. And he's like, first, I have to fix the roof and the, and the, and the, and the parking lot. First, I have to address the staffing issues that we have at the restaurant. And people are upset because they don't have a brand new McFlurry item. That's what's going on here. Okay. Right. <laughs> like, I know that it's a crazy analogy that I just came up with sitting at a bar, so I don't even know if it makes any sense. <laughs> but, like, Not really, but but I, th- I see where you're going. You see where I'm going here? I mean, like, we have a guy who you're blaming him for what was going on in the building when he really wasn't the guy who got to make the decisions. And now he's looking at what was happening in the building over years and saying, I'm going to do it differently, and I'm going to change all this personnel, change what we're doing and I'm going to value players in a different way than what we were valuing them at before. And I'm going to trade in a different way. And I'm going to build in a different way. And you got to give me a moment. And, and you know, it's been such a rough couple of years. I think Sox fans don't want to give them that time. Now, on the other hand, I'm not running off the White Sox prom. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there in the stadium and, and spend a bunch of money because the owner is terrible. He should have been quicker to get rid of the last regime. And he's too cheap to sign the right players, so he puts his general manager behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. So Getz has to go in a certain direction where it would probably be easier if the if the old man would allow him to sign the kind of contracts that big boy clubs sign. It would be a lot easier for Chris Getz to do his job. So at this point, if they're not going to be good, well, I'm not going out and getting a full season ticket plan. That's crazy. Why would I give money to that guy? All right? there's But you can be positive about the idea 
that Getz is trying to evaluate things differently, that there's there's at least hope, right? There's there's hope. I don't know if it's going to work out, but there's hope. And I think the idea of holding on to Dylan Cease if you don't get the right deal should give you hope because it tells you that your general manager has hope. Tells you that he is going to, he's saying, this is what I believe this guy's worth. I'm not budging on it. This is what I think we need to do to build this team. And I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction than the guys were doing it before. That's all positive stuff. It'd be a lot worse if Chris Getz was doing the same thing. If Chris Getz moved Dylan Cease for a couple of guys on a prospect list already, and we were looking at a multi-year rebuild because of what he got back. And we were evaluating players in the same way. And Elvis Andros was already penciled in as being your your infielder. And you weren't making any moves that changed what the makeup of the team was. And he really didn't change anything internally with the team. I'd be more upset. Then I'd be negative. Then I'd have fear. That would be that would be the fear. Right. right? That would the be the fear. fear. That was the fear when he got hired is what was going to happen. Your fear was that it was just going to be more of the same. And 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 it and it hasn't been that. So I I gotta give the guy a chance. If he fails, he fails. But I gotta give the guy a chance. And and that's who I'm giving a chance to. I'm giving a chance to him. Like if I, I was thinking to myself, I saw that thing that they had at the Field Museum, the White Sox prom, the non Sox Fest, Sox Fest, the Sox Fest with the season ticket holders, the full season ticket holders, right, the uh, the least the likely people Sox to be Fest. angry with you, right? Like I know full right. season ticket holders are angry. I know that I'm not saying that they're not. But they're if you but invest, they're also spending money, so they're not quite as angry as those people who are out there sitting there going, "I'm not spending a dime." If you're investing money, still though, you still have hope, right? You are less likely to boo everybody that comes up to a microphone. That you know, you're more likely to take a picture with the the manager, the wide-eyed manager of the Chicago White Sox, who just looks so uncomfortable in every picture I saw from White Sox prom, right? You're 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 yeah. applauding when they say Saxfest is coming back instead of screaming about time and insulting them while they're announcing it because that that that's the fan base they wanted to ease in with and then they announce the Saxfest is coming back in a year that's a, that's a level of hope I'm not ready for yet right but I was thinking to the idea of like if I was at White Sox prom who would I have taken a picture with because I think there are certain people that I would never want to I wouldn't even want my face next to like I would have a picture with Chris Getz if he would let me though. Because I still have belief that he could do something. You know what I'm saying? Like I would I would be like, yeah, him. Players, maybe. Just a few of them. Right? Like I'd probably get I'd probably get a shot or two with some of the players that I believed in. Not all the players, right? Like I honestly I honestly believe that Yoan Moncada is not gonna be on this team next year and I've been unhappy with everything that he's done, so I probably wouldn't take a picture with him. You know? I probably would there there are certain people I'd be like, ah, that's nice. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. You want a picture? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> no, thanks. No, nah, I'm good. Like I'm fine. Like, I know there are people that, like, they need that, right? They become starstruck and things like that. I've never been that kind of guy. So I'd be kind of like, ah, ah, we're good. You sure you want a picture? Yeah, you won't be on a team in a year. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I'd be very, I'd be very Larry David about the whole thing. I'd kind of make a face. I'd be like, ah, you're not going to be here in a year. Kind of wave out of a push (laughs) movie. I listened to your jersey on eBay already. Right. I have no interest. You know, I mean, like, I've always had a rule that I won't, I won't buy a jersey of a guy unless I truly believe in him. Right. And that I think he signed for multiple years because I never trusted the owner. Like that was always it's always how I've right. done it. And the funny thing is, I have a Moncada jersey, but it was given to me as a gift by somebody who knew I was a White Sox fan, who was an in-law at the time, and just kind of picked a White Sox jersey and gave it to me. Didn't know anything about baseball. And I was like, oh, this is nice. I'll wear it every once in a while. 
but I wouldn't have gone out and bought it because I never really had the faith in him that he was going to be what was jersey worthy to me. That, like my jerseys are jersey worthy. There are other people who won't buy any jerseys because they're like, I don't wear anything with some other guy's name on his back. That's what children do. You know, those are people who just hate fun. Right? Yeah, I don't. I, I'm a little afraid of those people. You know, the people who just hate fun. That's what they say. But like to me, it had to be somebody of meaning, right? Like I have a Burley jersey. I have a Pierzynski jersey that's a road jersey replica of what he was wearing when they won the World Series because I wanted right. one jersey with the patch, not the championship patch. The one that like that that they were wearing when they were in the World Series. And I was like, if there was one guy who I wanted his jersey because he was celebrating on the field at the moment that the last pitch was thrown and he was such the story of the playoffs. It has to be AJ, has to be a road jersey because that's what they were wearing. So I went and I got the road jersey, right? And then the only other jersey that I have requested probably in the last 10 years is the Luis Robert Jr. jersey. And I, and I don't have Jr. on it because he was just Robert when I got the jersey. But I wanted a Luis Robert Jr. jersey because he is, here long-term, an absolute superstar, and I believe him. I would get a picture with him. I would get a pic- I would let him hold me like a baby in the picture, too. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> it goes without saying. I want to sit on his lap like he's Santa Claus. Yes, like Santa Claus. That's what I I want to- <laughs> Santa Robert Jr., can you please, Santa Robert Jr. can you please give me a winning season? Can you can you hit 300 with uh, 45 bombs, please? Please, please, Santa Robert Jr., please. Like, I would sit in his lap, right? There's a difference in who I would want a picture with and who I wouldn't. But I would get a, I would get a picture with Chris Getz because I believe that he's got a different vision than the guys that were there beforehand. And until he proves that otherwise, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Even if that means that people are going to sit there and say that you're, you know, I'm going to be unhappy with me because they're always angry. I think if you've listened to the show for the last almost six years, you know that I will go after everybody in that organization who I think is garbage. The fact he's holding out on Cease makes me believe a little bit more in him because it's not what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams would do. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.